When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, welcome then to, uh, I don't know, it w- it's a scheduled episode on this Labor Day. We were definitely going to do a show. You and I were going to get up and... Uh, you know, take a couple hours out of our three-day weekend. And then breaking news hits right before we hit the microphones here. Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And on Thursday night when um, the Gophers were going toe-to-toe with Ohio State and Mo Ibrahim pushes off with, I think, his left foot and then winds up limping off the field. But you could see that they, they showed the slow-motion replay two or three times. And it looked, to me, like a torn Achilles. Like, I'm not a doctor, but... The you calf, can see when someone's when the calf yeah. ripples, it's not a good sign. Yeah, the calf, the human calf is not designed to ripple like no, that. no, it is not. Take it from two highly trained and uh, hey. Olympic caliber athletes here, Mackie and Judd. <laughs> Seen a lot. <laughs> Seen a lot of bad things. But the Gophers just announced this morning that he's out for the season with a lower leg injury. Here, Andy Greeter reports. Uh, Mo Ibrahim will have season-ending surgery from his lower leg injury sustained in the loss to the Buckeyes. It's kind of like hockey. Oh, yeah, it's a lower body injury. Right. It's an Achilles, right? That's the thing that would. I, it's either a torn calf or a torn Achilles. So yep. with that cheery news here on this Monday, why don't you start us off, Judd Zolgad, with uh, your first statement. Statement number one involves a conversation um, that that not only is perfect for the Mo Ibrahim Ibrahim injury, but also perfect because we've had this discussion on this show a long time. We are about to find out how important running backs, in particular, certain running backs are uh, because this injury is again a conversation about okay, it's a big loss. Guy's a good player. He's definitely a very good player. But that being said, I, I think both of us have always been in lockstep on this. Running back is usually not, let's say, a cornerback. You lose a Pro Bowl cornerback, you're in trouble. You can't just say, next man up, okay, dude, you be you be Xavier Rhodes in Rhodes' prime. Left tackle. You can't just lose a left tackle and say, hey, Rashad Hill, you play left tackle, and it's going to be great, right? Um, there's a lot of positions at which you can't lose guys and just expect the next guy up to replace them. Running back, it's always been our contention because we've seen it. It's not like it's not like we're making this up. But think about the amount of times that we've seen 
running backs go out and they get replaced. And, oh, my God, the next guy's really, really good, too. He's yeah. almost just as good. So this will be the latest test in a running back going out. Is it the running back himself? Or is it, yes, he's got a, he's got a skill set. He's good. I'm not saying he's not good. But you also have behind him a guy that can step in. And if he can read the blocks as well as the last guy and catch some passes, you're usually okay. So that's kind of my my thought here, too. Sorry, I had I swallowed wrong there and had a coughing attack. So I'm glad I kept um, You might have to carry me. This I'm is glad gonna I be... kept yammering then. It's good. <laughs> this is going to be my Michael Jordan flu game, apparently, just hacking up a storm here. Um, so... I was curious because this this is a big loss um, and it will dovetail into my first statement in a second. But to your point about next man up, this is not a shot at Mo Ibrahim. He's a really good running back and um, was already up for a bunch of preseason sort of projected awards like he was in the mix for if he stayed healthy for some big time college football awards. He was a three star recruit out of high school. Um, he was offered by the Gophers, Iowa, Kentucky, Temple, Towson. So it wasn't like SEC schools were after him. The Gophers and P.J. Fleck and that offensive line, I think, have helped elevate him to the status that he's at. He has taken the ball literally and figuratively and run with it. But I don't think this is – I'm not going to say that, like, um, you know, Trey Potts or – Cam Wiley, who are the next two guys on that depth chart, just going to step in and be as good as Ibrahim. But those guys were like pretty similar status coming out of high school, right? They were three-star recruits. Um, They had another decent offer or two outside of the Gophers in Power 5 conferences. And they're all fairly similar in terms of like attributes. And so I feel like this offensive line and the way that they leaned on Ohio State at times, one of the best teams in the country, I feel like they can create openings for the next man up. So that actually dovetails into my next statement, my first statement. Okay. Despite that injury, and I'm and I'm I thought he was out for the season when I saw the injury. So my next take uh, doesn't change at all based on the fact that we now know that Ibrahim is out for the season. Mm-hmm. I actually feel better about the rest of the Gopher football season after watching Week One in college football. And I got a couple main reasons for that. Number one, they hung with Ohio State. And we talked about this with Pat a little bit on Friday. But uh, this is like the first time ever that you watch the Gophers offensive line walk up to the line of scrimmage against Ohio State. And it's not, oh, my God, look how much bigger Ohio State is, right? It was, oh, okay. Like pound for pound, the size of that offensive line, all right, they they, they can lean on Ohio State. So imagine what they can do with some of the lesser teams in the Big Ten, like a Nebraska uh, that already got beat by Illinois in week one. We saw some of those Big Ten teams. Yes. My God. And and that's the second reason why, (laughs) is that you watch the Big Ten over the weekend. um, Indiana got smoked by Iowa. Northwestern got smoked by Michigan State. Yep. Um, Wisconsin looked awful offense. Now, Penn State's legitimate, but like Wisconsin at home looked – like, they could barely move the ball on the ground. They might have chose the wrong quarterback. In so that's, fact, I think they did. <laughs> so I was doing some digging on that kid, right? So so that kid was a highly recruited four-star recruit. Grand did Burks. you know that? Yeah. The, okay. he, dude, he got offers from yes. Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. When when they – the year that they got him, my friend Tom Oates, who's now retired, but was a longtime sports columnist at the Wisconsin State Journal and is sort of the voice of, of like – Wisconsin sports. He's he's 
essentially they're Patrick. Like he knows everything. He knows all, mm-hmm. all the coaches. Uh, when they got him, he was raving about like, this is one of the biggest court. Cause I, I was, I think I, I had again mocked the Badgers litany of quarterbacks through the years, which are, Hey, hand the ball off. And he's like, this guy's different. This guy's going to be great that he's a huge recruit. You know, sec teams are trying to get him. Yeah. So uh, what I saw on Saturday though, was eye opening. I mean, it wasn't sort of bad. It was really bad. Week one's also funky in that like you haven't played a game in eight or nine months. You don't, you don't play scrimmage games. Like you practice against each other. You know, at least in the NFL, you're running, you might get, the yeah. offensive line is going to get out there and get but some. How about knowing where the safety is going to drop to or be like, there were some yeah. passes there where I couldn't defend them week one or week eight. No, I, I agree. I think for me, it's like 30% of it is week one is weird. And so I'm not going to just say that Indiana's that, yeah. garbage, uh, but 70% of it is okay. The gopher schedule Northwestern looks like it's going to be a down year. I know it's one week, but Indiana, I mean, you kind of called it last week. Until Indiana does it like three or four years yeah. in a row, they're still Indiana. <laughs> yeah. And they got a good quarterback. But yep. um, so I, I actually feel like Iowa is by far going to be the toughest game on the schedule based on everything we knew going into week one and then based on what we saw in week one. Yep. And everything else is very gettable, even without Ibrahim. I'm not saying they win all of the other games, but I'm saying all of the other games are gettable. And the Iowa game should be gettable, but you're you're not going to be a favorite in that game. And, and it's there and you don't play well there. And yeah, I. I agree completely, and when we did our uh, write that down, I think last Wednesday, I predicted, and I'm not backing off. I think the golfers now uh, don't lose a game possibly until those last three. I said we're going to win eight games. Look, there's two reasons. For this. There are two reasons for this. And, <laughs> is and it, the is second it, is thing this a, was, is this a statement? Is this an official statement? And the second you're making? thing was though I predicted. No, it, it's a statement off of your point, which by the way I agree with. Um, the second thing was, so I predicted that the Gophers would get to those last three games, which are the Hawkeyes, Indiana, and then who's the last? Uh, Scannies, right? And, yeah, and I'm sorry, Wisconsin. And I said that they're going to lose all three. Well, I'm not convinced of that now at all. And the other thing that's important to keep in mind is this is the one team in town I am not holding 2020 against at all. I don't read anything. When you're canceling games, like you, they literally, the Big Ten canceled their season and then brought it back. Yeah, Bateman opted out, opted in, opted out. So, like, what can you read? It's it's a it's a different thing to say. Okay, you know you're gonna play your games. They might get moved around, overcome adversity. It's another thing to literally say we're canceling your season. Oh, you know what? Now there's too much money to be made, and Ohio State's really pissed off. So we're not gonna do that now. So that's the one thing is I fully expect the 2009 or 2021 for the Gopher football team should be an extension 2019. So it's not like a bad year at all. Oh, that's oh, this is a huge disappointment. I wiped that entire season off the map for everybody. It just meant nothing to me. They also like just to football. keep just to keep the excuses piling on here for last year. They also had a lot of injuries and COVID related. That's what I'm saying though. Things guys opted like, out, but but, there, yeah. but that that was sort of like a hey hey we're gonna play. Let's throw a team together season. Yeah, I agree. It was it was weird. No crowd noise. No, no. I think not that not that like. You know, Huntington Bake Stadium is this impossible place to play for road teams. But like all of those factors, I think. Now, if they struggle this season now, it's a different ballgame. Then I I will definitely reassess and probably be harsh on them. Um, But I'm just saying I watched most of those games. I couldn't read a thing into them. Uh, Actually, 
just because I think we're getting to the end of our gopher, the gopher portion of statements here. I will say two things. I think the schedule sets up, like I said, very well for them if they want to make some noise. I think it could even set up for them to flirt with a division championship if they can beat either Iowa and or Wisconsin toward the end. But mm-hmm. if they're going to do that, two things have to happen. Your coach, P.J. Fleck, my coach, I guess, P.J. Fleck. Yeah, it's more your coach than my coach. Um, he has to be better with game and clock and timeout management. Like, he just he, – he's got to be better about – those little wins on the fringes within a game where the opponent might have a better roster than you, but yep. you're better in the clock management area or yep. you, you know, like this one to mattered probably, but toward the end of the first half against Ohio state, the Gophers run a play. They're on kind of the fringe of field goal range, right? They got the interception. If I remember right, um, they wasted a bunch of time running the football with under two minutes to go. No urgency. They're just running. They're Vikings. running the football. It was with very Vikings like, yeah, and so they and and so they get that there's like 30 seconds left or 25 or 30 seconds left, and they run their last play on third down. They get stopped, and it's fourth down, but the clock is ticking. And Ohio State doesn't call a timeout, so you've got the ball at like the 40 yard line of Ohio State's, and they're not calling a timeout. You think, well, yeah. they wouldn't they want to call a timeout and just see if they can return a punt or something? And they said, now nah, we're good. Well, when when they say now nah, we're good, then you should call a timeout with like two seconds to go and throw a ball into the end zone, right? Are you are you not doing that because you're afraid? Like you have a senior quarterback right. who you no, should trust, which is my thing. second point. Tanner Morgan has to be really good the rest of the season. Yep. Like I know that you're set up to run the ball and your offensive line is a road grading, yep. you know, just three hundred plus pound dudes. But um, especially when Ottman Bell comes back, Tanner Morgan needs to be the Tanner Morgan from a couple years ago. And I get that Rashad Bateman helped him be that Tanner Morgan, mm-hmm. but it's PJ Fleck be better at game management and Tanner Morgan. Be better, period. I guess. And you're also going to, in, in his case, I think the key thing with Tanner is that he needs to make decisions quickly. You can't, this is the Big Ten. I, I mean, it's not perfect, but it's not awful for sure. And and I saw more than once, and it cost him badly once, but I saw more than once where he gets, he's dropped back in the pocket and he starts to survey the field and he brings the ball up and he's surveying the field. It's like, that's not, no, no, no. I've never played quarterback in the Big Ten, nor will I. But if you're in a really competitive league. You're eligible, aren't you? I think like, you when have- that ball goes up, that ball has to be with the intention of coming out quickly. Um, you can't be like, oh, hold on a second, I'm going to do this. Because you know what happens? Big guys slap the ball away from you. So that, that was seriously, I, I saw that at least twice, if not three times. And it cost him once. But that, you can't do that against good teams. Yeah. So I guess the overall message here is Mo Ibrahim's up for the season, and we're not panicking. We're not even panicking. Hey, if I gave you a position, like like take take away the names, if I gave you a, a, a position at which you lost a key player, unfortunately, no, no offense, I'm going to tell you right now, if you came to me with that list, running back would probably be my top one of, well, if you got to lose a guy, I'll yes. take the running back. And then I think what happens oftentimes is, and again, that's just not meant to like, Mo Ibrahim is really good. I'm not meaning to slight him, but... You see this all the time with NFL teams, with college teams. One guy racks up a bunch of carries. The offensive line gets X amount of credit for that, right? I think people sometimes think, oh, my God, like all of the production that Mo Ibrahim right. gives you is gone. It's like not all of it. You're getting rid of his production, and you're going to replace it with somebody else who ideally can also average like five yards a carry behind a road-grading offensive line. Exactly. So I guess we'll see. And Judd's they- next. Oh, go ahead. They lost Rodney Smith in the first game. Was that three years ago now? Uh, yes. Same, it was the exact same type of deal. I, I, 
he tore his ACL, I think. But I mean, it, it was the same thing. It was like night game, Thursday night opener. Rod, Roddy Smith's in for a 1,000 yard rushing season. No, he's not. Yeah. So they've been there before. Uh, Judd, your next statement is presented by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. You want to talk about risk management and protecting your I mean, assets? Yeah, tell me the, how. The Gophers, you know, the Gophers definitely have a great relationship with Federated. I'm not sure they're the company that's helping them find uh, backup running backs, but they're the company that can help your company be better with risk management, be better with protecting employees and keeping everyone safe. Um, just, just before you only think about the top line, consider the risks that can chip away at your business. And that's where Federated comes in with great risk management tools and expertise. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Statement number two from Jeff. Statement number two, after a weekend on the couch of watching college football, it was glorious. It was heavenly. Uh, but this statement is probably a long held Zolgadian statement. But after week one, I need to say it again. College football players in particular need to stop launching themselves. Defenders need to stop <laughs> launching themselves at opponents to try and make tackles. Uh, twofold. One is lots of times, guess what? You bounce off the guy or you miss him entirely. You don't tackle him. Like somehow these kids have been taught or they think if I launch myself and I hit this guy hard enough, I'm going to blow him up. Okay. But, and this goes into the second part, but you lose control of your body in the sense that you can't determine where you're going once you leave your feet. And the second part is, and I know that this rule isn't perfect, and I agree it has a lot of problems, but I think you forfeit your right to complain when you launch yourself and get called for targeting. Because the but second, the targeting thing is ridiculous. It it is, but the Joel Clatt that, was all over this yeah, all weekend. Yeah, but the Penn State kid launched himself to try and knock the guy out of bounds or to the ground instead of trying to get over and tackle him. Like you have to know by now, targeting. I agree, it's got a lot of problems to it. But when you leave your feet, you are inviting the officials. If your helmet lands ever so slightly wrong, to get you for targeting. That's the point. Like, like we know what the problems are. So if I'm a coach, I'm like, how do we address the problems? Because they're not eliminating the call. That's my issue. But don't you think, but here's my stance on it. I agree, like, use better form, ideally. But we're now probably 10 years into using better form. Like, kids are taught different forms. But it's such a fast game, even at the college level. It's such a fast game. And you're in, in some of these games, I mean, it's a bunch of four and five star recruits that are running around. They're, they're going to be drafted in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be bang, bang situations where like you're trying to dive at a player to push him out of bounds and your helmet leads. So I, I think I agree with Joel Klatt. Intent needs to be factored in to some extent. But like if, if do- it's if it's sort of a mistake, you're yeah. just going to auto eject players and then they miss the next game. If it happened in the second half, that's. To me, that's I, ridiculous. Well, well, one is I, I think you should be the rules should be changed immediately. If you're ejected from that game, but if you're ejected in the second half, you sit out the rest of that game. But to have to sit out the entire first half of the next game to me, and I know why they do it, it's silly. So, like, let's confine it to a game. But the problem is, and Joel Klatt's uh, point was great, but the problem is this one. These officials and the officiating supervisors in college – aren't good enough to now give them the um, intent to determine they're not good enough. They're going to screw that up. It's going to become worse. It's going to become, because the whole, the whole problem with targeting is it's completely subjective 
And that's why I'm saying I don't want my players. I okay, it's different if I'm going to tackle a guy and my helmet, you know, he adjusts, I don't adjust. They call targeting. That's a tough break, and that just stinks. And uh, I and that, that happens all the time up, too. And it does. But what I don't like is when a guy comes flying from out of position and literally comes flying in, and and now he's lost control of his body and landing point. And that's where I would try and coach that out of players because I don't think for for the times that you see a cool hit and that works, I think you see it either a not work or b get called on targeting way too much. That's my so like if you're coming in to make a tackle and you're right there and and your head is wrong uh, because the guy adjusts and now it's a it's a helmet on helmet hit. That's one thing. What I don't like is when guys like the Penn State kid literally came flying from out of nowhere uh, and he got called for targeting. And I was like, of course he did. But why can't it be like the NBA? Why can't it be like the NBA and flagrant fouls where, okay, that wasn't so there's a foul. And then there's a flagrant one and a flagrant two. Those guys are professional officials and the officiating crews and the people. But this is power five, man. There's billions of dollars. Have you watched the officiating? The officiating is bad, but the officiating also would get the help of slow motion replay for some of these. I know, but not for some, for all of these calls. Like who determines intent and how do they do it? But wouldn't you rather them have the the option? Because, like, I'd rather them have the – even if they're not great at determining intent, we're starting from a place of that player has been ejected. Yeah, I know. I would like them to go in and then be able to say, ah, maybe ejection's a little harsh. That was kind of a bang-bang play. 15-yard penalty, no ejection. Like, there should be – like, I agree I with you. They're, they're not going to do it on the fly, but they're they're starting from a place of these guys are ejected. Right. But Okay. And, and the problem there is they don't even have a good idea of of from crew to crew what an ejection should be. My issue is though, that when you are, when you launch yourself, you like invite them to, to say that looks like targeting and it gives them the hammer then to say you're ejected. But here's the other thing. Like one more thought on this and then we can move on. Okay. It's a good conversation. It's maddening to watch. I think for 10 years, this has been a thing now. I can't remember when targeting came into play, but like the discussion about changing tackling form yeah. and concussions and CTE, like this has been a thing now for a decade. And at the youth level, they're teaching heads up tackling. And like teams know that seasons can get derailed by a guy getting knocked out for a, you know, ejected for a targeting call. So it's not like coaches aren't teaching this or trying to get rid of it at every level. So it's, I think for, it's really to say, like, well, they need to do a better job of coaching. I don't know. I mean, they are coaching it, and it's still a fast game, and guys are flying around and diving, and helmets are, you know, it happens. And I just think we need to be better at the way that we're policing it. Well, so I just don't think launching is good tackling for him to start with because I see far too many guys go for the highlight hit, and they either bounce off, miss entirely, or get called for targeting. So I guess my starting point would be, if you are coming from the safety position across the field and decide I am going to fly through the air to try and make this tackle, you probably made a bad decision. That's fair. That's a fair. Point. That's fair point. football coaching from Zolgad right there. Tough uh, love. Speaking of football, let's move on to the to the Sunday edition here. So mm-hmm. my uh, this will be my last statement. I'll, I'll I'll concede to you for the last last statement. But week one means more than usual for the Vikings. I've been thinking a lot about this. Like ordinarily, especially with a 17-game season, not that there are throwaway games by any means, but like if you lose in week one, 
Not ideal, but you can definitely overcome it. It's happened before. Uh, there's plenty of time to bounce back. But I actually think week one for the Vikings this year is a make-or-break week. And I say that for a couple main reasons. Number one, they're sc- I mean, look at the three games right after this. Right, They have to play at Arizona, a back-to-back road game, um, in a in another time zone. Like, don't sleep on that. Sure. Then they get okay, but then they come back home. Yeah, against Seattle and Cleveland, two of the top like six or seven teams in the NFL. Uh, I think if you look at their whole schedule, there's probably only like four games that you really feel good about, where you're like, "Yep, I that's probably a win." I would say the two Lions games. I would say the Panthers game, even though it's a road game. But that's going to be I'm, – I'm putting that game on there. That's a trap game for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the Bengals in week one. So – and then secondly, I would say, too, that uh, it just kind of feels like based on how the last month of camp has gone, I'm not ready to mash the panic button yet. But it feels like this thing is a little bit of a house of cards in that Cousins is prone to implosion. Mike Zimmer is on the hot seat. We don't really know if Patrick Peterson is still good anymore, right? Like, um, there's just a lot of things that are up in the air until we see the offensive line. We don't really know. Darisaw is probably not going to play. Ole Udo is new to playing right guard. Um, so it, just, it it feels like they need to beat the Bengals and get off to a good start so that things don't all come crumbling in the month of September. That's kind of where I'm at with this. I agree completely. And, I mean, expectations – should be high too. We we shouldn't we shouldn't dumb down our expectations completely because they that uh, camp was sort of I don't know fraught with peril and and you know three exhibition games, three losses. Okay, but it's exhibition games and you know go back to week one. They didn't play a a, a starter. So I'm with you, and this actually goes perfectly into my last statement, which is off of yours. I can't remember the last time I was this eager. For the Viking season to start because of that. Like, I have no idea where this is going. And, and I refuse to tamp down what I refuse to just throw up my hands, I, I guess, is the best way to say it and be like, oh man, things aren't off to a good start. So um, I'm down to nine wins right now. But I mean, this team, if it gels right, still could be very good. It, it could be. And there's nobody else in the division besides the Packers who you should be competing a ton with. The Bears, I fear you might, but you shouldn't be necessarily. And there's, you know, now for the second year, seven playoff spots, right? So so theoretically, you should make the playoffs for sure. So, yeah, I just I'm so eager and, and in some ways anxious to see where this goes, because I'm willing to say right now, I don't really have a feel for it. I really don't. But, you know, when when you've got. Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, um, Irv Smith, unfortunately, out, and a defense that's been remade. I'm willing to say expectations still have to be there, don't they? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you've had you've had years and years sort of building to this point, right? You've been in this win-now window, and I saw a couple other publications went with the 38 draft picks talker that we brought up on Purple Daily last week, too. Like, that's becoming a thing. We're just trendsetters on Purple Daily. Oh, it's, just it's unbelievable. You, leading all you of the discussions. what Rick has done in the draft and everybody mm-hmm. else just follows you. Yep, all the aggregators just copying Purple Daily. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've drafted more players over a three-year stretch than any team has ever drafted before. Where are all of them, right? Yep. Why, why, do you, why does Mike Zimmer think they have depth issues? Why did I they did. have to go out and get two yep. veteran cornerbacks to start after you've drafted 
a bajillion of them over the last few years, right? So like, but if they beat the Bengals in week one and they can weather the storm of, you know, some of these tough games early on, this team just feels like it really needs positive vibes out of the gate or things could go really sideways. And I also, and I also think, um, I'm loath to judge week one a ton because to your point about college, and this is probably not as true in pro, but it's true. Uh, there are definitely things that change a lot, <laughs> but here's where week one intrigues me more than most seasons. Defensively, it's a brand new, basically defense. I mean, you know, Hunter in training camp looked fantastic. Does he come back? I mean, if he looks that good in week one, it's like Eureka. That's, you know, uh, the defensive tackles, uh, Patrick Peterson. But I think I'm even more curious week one offensive side because you've got the components to be a fairly high-powered offense, right? Mm-hmm. And and what Clint Kubiak's allowed to call in week one uh, isn't necessarily drastically going to change. It's not like you're going to get to week four and, and Zim is going to tell Clint, let's go air Coriel this week. <laughs> so we're sort of going to get a read, I think, on what Clint is allowed to call. And if it's just run, 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 okay, pass. Run, 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 run. Um, that's not a great sign because you definitely have an offense that is worthy of being treated with more respect than that. So I do believe that the early season games offensively will set a tone for, okay, this is what Clint is going to be allowed to do or oh, okay, I guess Clint's not going to be allowed to do much. We basically learned nothing about Clint Kubiak and the Vikings' first-team offense in the preseason. We didn't get to see enough of it. No. You know, Derrissaw's banged up, hasn't really played, so we'll see. Uh, Okay, I lied. One more statement here. PXG Minneapolis is a golfer's paradise. That's my statement. uh, They've got some of the best clubs on the market. I saw someone on, I think it was one of my TikTok, I follow a bunch of golf people on TikTok, testing out the new Gen 4 driver and hitting it like 350 yards down the middle. Uh, I wouldn't be able to hit it that far. But you guys might be able to. Go check out the new Gen 4 golf clubs at PXG, the best clubs that they've ever made. PXG, Minneapolis, and Southdale Center. TikTok is is my new uh, crack website or place to to go. I think I spent (laughs) three hours last night watching TikToks. It's a blast. It's yeah. unbelievable. It used to be Twitter, but now it's just sort of TikTok has, it's got everything. I was uh, watching really Soprano stuff. I was watching a bunch of, it's just, it's great sports stuff. Dude, it is. And and we should uh, put a shameless plug out that we're almost to a thousand followers on the Score North TikTok account. So check us out. We're putting stuff out on a pretty daily basis. Judd's doing some dances. I'm doing a TikTok thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So, all right, just a just a little uh, holiday abbreviated sort of emergency episode of Mackie and Judd here. Be sure to check us out on our other daily show, Purple Daily, the Marconi finalist, Purple Daily. That's right. As we head into Vikings Week One, that's a wrap on Mackie and Judd. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.